What's up everyone? Welcome to the London Music Podcast. This is Andre Sora and today I talked to Frank Harkin who is the singer and one of the three founding members of the Ha 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 band along with Roger Hadwin and Rob Harris and they've been playing together in various forms since the turn of the century. We talk about songwriting, how the current pandemic has affected music making and about the future of live music. But without further ado, I give you Frank Harkin. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the London Music Podcast. And today I have Frank Harkin on the episode, who is the lead singer in the Ha 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 band. And I'm gonna let him introduce himself a bit more and tell you a bit more about his story so far. Hi, Andre. Thanks for having me on the podcast. My name is Frank Harkin, and I'm the lead singer of Ha Ha Ha. Yeah, our story goes back a long way, but it really only gets going in the last year but <clears throat> let me take you back to the start so there's three of us and we're old friends and we really just played together you know last 10 or 15 years and music was just a way for us to meet up really we, we didn't take it seriously as a in terms of making music and, and promoting it it was just fun basically getting together uh, and playing and we did have a few songs and we did a lot of covers and then in about 2000 11 or 12, we started the gig. And again, really lightly, the first one we did, we did an Oxjam gig. And, and so we've done an annual gig for that since then. But yeah, that first gig was amazing. And we realized how brilliant playing live is. And that's, that's really what music's all about. It's kind of playing it live. This first one, do you remember where it was? Because I also did an Oxjam one in October of 2016, I think, somewhere in Clapham. I think it was called the Railway Tavern. Yeah, yeah. Ours was in East London. It was in a place called the Royal Inn in the Park by Victoria Park. But we did a, we've done a bunch of them. We've done them in Stout Newington. We've done a couple in Hoxton. So we've done it pretty much every year since then. So, so it was great, you know, and we, we really enjoyed those gigs. And, but we still weren't really taking it that seriously. We did a few open mics, but we never got it together properly. And then in the last year, two big things happened. You might, you might be aware there was a pandemic that kind of we were all in lockdown and we started to record remotely we started using garage band to start actually recording the songs which we'd never really done properly before and that was really great you know and garage band's amazing and or whatever whichever software you use you don't need a drummer you've got beats there you've got all, all the different synths and whatever you, whatever you want is there it's like a pandora's box of a chocolate box of de, like music delights i'd use it a bit myself but never like this and never in a collaborative way and it was great you know you create a project and you share it and everybody Everybody adds their bits and the songs were sounding great and we were you know I started to get excited about it and thinking this is this is the way forward for us you know we can we can actually record stuff you now we don't have to be physically together which is one of the big problems for us because we're a bit older you know we started having kids and you know it's just so difficult to get together to get time whereas this way this kind of online collaboration is, is amazing for us so that's kind of what we were doing and then the other big thing that happened was we found a producer and that was a massive game changer in terms of just the quality of what we could produce and so the, he's a guy called Matt Anderson who's an old friend of mine but he's been producing music with his own band the Magic Maddie band for years and he's um you know just really knows his way around recording music and, and when somebody comes in and, and kind of takes what we've done which was really just in a very basic way putting the songs together but not really thinking sonically and I guess you're a producer Andre you you'll know what, what I'm talking about in terms of you know how how different instruments and different parts of the song have a frequency and if it's all in the same bit of, of the yeah. song you know, can't hear anything you know 
And I think when you have somebody who can come along and go, all right, well, let's move this here and move this here. Suddenly the songs open up and you can hear everything and everything. It's like somebody gets a big magic be better button and presses it. And then suddenly you're like, oh, wow, this, is, this makes such a difference. So we added a, you know, a level of quality that just wasn't there before in terms of the sonics, in terms of how the, how the songs sound. But it's also had lots of you know, musical, musical ideas and he's also kind of pushed us to be better. So yeah, so those are the two, the two big things, being able to collaborate and then having somebody come in who really knows what they're talking about. Before getting to this point, back when you did your first gigs and back when you just started out and just meeting up with uh, your bandmates just for the fun of it, the set list, was that mainly covers? Did you guys meet up to just have some fun with songs that you loved? Or did you, from the get-go, have originals lined up? Uh, yeah, it was kind of a mix. From the get-go, we always had originals. I've been writing songs since I was a kid, so we always had songs. And we always had five or six that we really believed in, you know. But we also, yeah, we did we did covers too, and we've got a wide range of influences. And so we did, uh, you know, Pixies and Billy Bragg and LCD Sound System. Our gigs tended to be 60% new stuff and 40% covers. What's your band lineup? So it's me, I'm the lead singer and I play guitar. And then we've got a lead guitarist, his name is Roger Hadwin, and he also plays some synths. And our bassist is Robin Harris. And we've also sometimes roped in, you know, drummers for gigs and, and some friends who, who sing as well, backing singers. And But that's the, the core of the group is the three of us. What I was thinking when you were describing, uh, obviously, all of the, the wonders of GarageBand was what about the drummer? Is he fine with uh, just having his uh, talent more or less replaced by uh, a machine but i guess it makes perfect sense for you guys to work like that since you can use the computer as as your drummer at least for the for the time being yeah and also i think you can it's great having trying to reach out to people you know and, and matt again is, is a real believer in, in in kind of asking for things you know and sometimes i can feel a bit can be a bit nervous about that you know asking people but so i've got a friend in ireland who's a drummer and some originally from from dublin um you know for our for our next song i asked because the song that we just released is a kind of a synth poppy thing and so the sound of the drums the garage band sound the process sound is fine but for our next song kind of wanted something that had a bit more performance and a bit more live drum sound. So I asked somebody to do that and they've done that. We, we didn't, we never had a full-time drummer and, you know, and I think in a way that's helped us now because we don't have that awkward conversation about, because recording drums live in this environment is very, very difficult, but also gives us flexibility to kind of do what we want to do. So it won't always be garage band, but that's a great backup for when we need it. And it's also great just to get things started because you want to start with a drum track. So if you've got a new song you want to do, you can just use garage band, get a drum track that you're vaguely happy with, and then you can start with those. So. Do you feel that you get a, a sort of demo-itis? You get so used to that original demo drum that <laughs> when you actually add a, a real person to do their own spin on it, it it's, it's a bit weird. It's funny, yeah, yeah, that's a good question because we're, we're in that situation a little bit with this new song. This version of the song that with the garage band track is, is months old, you know, and you've been listening to that for ages. And now it's hard to discern. It's definitely something you have to kind of take a step back from and try and not go, I'm used to that. That sounds good. This sounds weird. It's just different. And then you need to take, and I think with it, that's with everything as well. You know, you have an immediate reaction and sometimes your gut reaction is right, but you, you do need to step back from everything and listen to it a few times and not get too caught up in your own and your first initial reaction, especially when you're 
constantly sending things around to people and getting things back. You know, there's a, there's a tendency to kind of decide, oh, I don't like this. And I've found in this process that giving something a day or two, not listening to it or giving it a good five or six listens before you've made up your mind is, is really good because I'll often think I hate something and then three days later, I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, and especially with something like drums on, on these programs, they sound so good out of the box. The processing is already there. Everything is kind of done for you. So obviously when you start from scratch, and even if it's live drums, it takes a while to get those raw recordings to sound like something that even GarageBand can produce. So uh, yeah, I, I resonate with that. And I, I get that from quite a few of my own clients where they, they get so enamored by what the demo sounds like, that it's difficult to somehow step away from that and get to a point where you realize that adding things to that demo is what is actually going to make it sound like a record rather than just your demo. Because if you like the demo, just release the demo. But at some point, you, you need to realize that there is a fine line between artistic expression and just demo in a way. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's something about the performance aspect of a live of live drumming that you, you can't recreate in garage band. That definitely comes across in the version we've got for this new song. So yeah, you're definitely right. Did you guys have any musical education growing up or was this mainly a hobby from, from the beginning? Yeah, none of us none of us have a background in music education or um, I mean I guess we all learned our instruments in the usual way. Um, you know, I did guitar lessons and I've had a few singing lessons over the years, but yeah, none of us have a substantial music musical background. It's just a, a, a hobby. And as I was saying, really it was just a way for us all to, to get together. As we got older and had kids, it was a way to, you know, get out of the house. I'm not going to edit that part out of the podcast. If you have to describe your band sound to someone, what would the elevator pitch of that sound be? I think sophisticated music for people who like good lyrics. So then how does that tie in with the band's name? Well, the band's name, yeah, it's funny. The band's name has caught a lot of attention and I'm not sure you noticed, but all our names are, are so my name's Harkin, it's Hadwin, and then the bassist is Harris. So one of our friends, at one of our, before our first gig, because we never really had a proper name, we hadn't thought about it that much. Um, one of our friends said, oh, you should, you should call yourself Ha 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 because of your name. And it was a bit like, oh, okay. And then it stuck name we have now and what about the uh, visual side of things so how do you think about that how does that tie in with uh, everything yeah videos again that's something that that Matt's really helped with because you know we were focused on, on just making music and he was big on you know having some kind of visual accompaniment whatever it is to the to the songs and and so for the, our first song, Turing test that we released that last month is a song about AI uh, robots. I was listening to a podcast about futurism and how you know, how the future is going to look, and they're talking about you know robots that can meet all of our needs. And I, the, the line, there's a line in it. My girlfriend, she's the best, can pass the Turing test. And it came into my head as as you know, you have these all you know, really lifelike people, robot people who can do everything for us. So that's what the song's kind of about. And and so we we're kind of traveling around for how would we visualize that and. So for the, this song, we, we thought about kind of robots through the ages in, 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 in cinema, just because there's quite a, visually, just like what's going to be cool to look at uh, and, and somehow represent the song. And that's kind of an area where you're, you then, you know, it's quite a laborious process then making the video because 
you've got to go and find all the clips, you've got to then put them together. And you know, luckily, Train Test is two minutes, 20, long, 20 seconds long, so it's not the longest song in the world. But um, you know, that's, a, that's a laborious process that takes a while and takes a lot of thinking and, and back and forth. But it's definitely worth it, you know, and the video really lifts the song and people really like it. And so Turing Test has been listened to 2,000 times on Spotify and been watched, the video has been watched around 300 times. Mm-hmm. So and sometimes it can feel like there's a massive effort gone in for something that maybe doesn't get the same traction as the, as the, the track itself. But I think the two are completely symbiotic and they'll be there forever. And so, you know, as we release new stuff and Turn Test will get heard again, you know, it's kind of, it's been launched out in the world that, and it's kind of plateaued a bit, but people will keep coming back to it because we'll keep releasing work. Having that video there is really an important part of the, of the whole release. Yeah, and it's, it's on the internet, so future AIs will have access to it as well to disseminate it even further. That's <laughs> an AI loop. <laughs> And what about the uh, this next song that uh, you're working on now? What's uh, first of all, what's the story behind that one? And do you have some sort of video coming out for that one as well? Yeah, that, that's uh, so. My job today, so I've got a few hours free today, um, is to kind of nail down the concept for that video. It's not, the song itself is nearly finished. It's it's very timely. <laughs> it's called the Betty Windsor Show, and it's a song that we've had for a few years. And it came out of an I, I was watching a documentary by Terence Davies, who's a documentary maker, and it was all, it was footage from his hometown of Liverpool from the fifties, and he was narrating it. And it's a very kind of elegiac lyrical film, and there was a bit where the Queen had come to Liverpool and there was the shots of her and her entourage going through the streets of Liverpool and he was very dismissive about it and he called it the Betty Windsor show and I I was like oh that's I'm having that that's brilliant (laughs) a couple of years later I had the idea for how to write the song so the uh, the title first and then Roger our guitarist came to us with this riff this kind of you know Sweet Jane by the Velvet Underground that kind of language riff is slightly punkier than that but that was the kind of feel of it and we had that so I wrote some lyrics over it, but spoken word lyrics. So it's a story about Betty Windsor and she's remembering a thing that happened to her in the past. And, and that's the song, basically, not to give too much away. I think it's our strongest song. I, I love it. It's, it's definitely my favourite of our songs. It's nearly finished. With, as I was saying, we, were, we had that drum issue that we had the garage band drums and we were just like, you know what, this would sound much better with real drums. So we've kind of that's delayed things a bit while we got that done, but we're hopefully nearly there. And then I need to get on with the video now, which is laborious and boring, but it will be good, I hope. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to release that. When this comes out, the song will be done or out. Where can people find you? Where do you usually interact with fans and where do you usually post your music? So we're probably most active on Twitter. So that's Ha 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 The Band on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and you can watch our videos on YouTube and uh, and you can buy stuff on Bandcamp if you really want to. Uh, do you also have a website or do those operate as one? We're just using those at the moment, but yeah, we're working on that. How has covid impacted you or actually outside of covid hopefully now that we're kind of in the last throes of it at least in the uk how do you see the band progressing post covid do you see you guys going back to doing gigs or are you now happier with this sort of arrangement where you kind of work on songs remotely we'll definitely carry on as we are in terms of recording i mean this is a really good setup for us and it works really well but we definitely want to gig more 
than we did before. You know, the, the plan is to not we're recording our single, but we're also recording a bunch of other songs and we're hoping to release an album later in the year. And so we'd hope to gig around, you know, so I don't know when that is realistic that you could gig, but maybe the later parts of maybe October, November time is potentially uh, we could gig again and, and promote the album. So I think that's our, our plan is to, but I think, yeah, continuing to record in this way because this really works, but trying to get out once once COVID's done and uh, and promote the album. The other thing I, I'd say is just if people were listening to this and were wondering about being a band like us who kind of didn't have any exposure and then and are trying to, to get exposed is that there's there's a great kind of ecosystem on, on, on social media. Twitter is the one that I use most, but of people who will promote and support your stuff. And there's loads of advice out there on, on where you should be sending stuff and what you should do, you know, the best practice for sending things to people. And, you know, there's places like BBC Introducing and Fresh on the Net who listen to your stuff and, and, and respond to it. And so that's been really eye-opening as well, that gigging isn't the only way to, to, I mean, I think it's probably the best way to reach fans and certainly the most enjoyable way to reach fans. But there's a huge wellspring of uh, information and help online for for bands who are getting started. Yeah, the fact that the pandemic hit now rather than 15 years ago is definitely a good thing on that front. So when you will eventually go back to gigging, do you anticipate having a, uh, a drummer along or will you now be switching to using GarageBand as a, your drum player? No, I think we'd, we'd like to, to, if possible, to gig as a band with a drummer. I think that would make all the difference, but we'll have to wait and see. So what I tend to do at the end of these is have a quick fire round and I have three questions lined up for you. Okay. Don't think about your answers. The first thing that pops into your head is the answer you should give. So what's the one musical thing you're amazing at? Uh, lyrics. And what's the one musical thing you're rubbish at? Uh, lead guitar. <laughs> <laughs> And the final one, would you rather win a Grammy or sell out Wembley Stadium? Oh, sell out Wembley Stadium. Not even a competition, right? <laughs> what an amazing night that would be. Imagine having 25 to 50 people watching you and, and clapping and, and, and giving you energy is amazing. I can't imagine what, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands would be like. Well, on that note, Frank, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Uh, it, it's been great chatting to you. And yeah, good luck with uh, the second release and hopefully good luck in the near future with uh, gigging. Right. Cheers, Andre. Great to speak to you. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.